0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show that's powered by Better Living Through Chemistry this week. As I power through a back injury, we have lost Raj to the COVID, and my three guys can't copy a link. You can see the trouble we're in right now, <laughs> but we're going to pull it through. First of all, from Ohio State, the man, the myth, the 0-1, Brandon Shane. Welcome aboard! Come on in, big. And we also want to say, Gabby got a fundraiser going. Anybody wants to give to it? And Anna Lee did the same one. That's a that's a cool little fundraiser they're doing at school.
1: It is. No, I, I'm glad to be here. Um, it's a cool fundraiser called the Color Run. Um, and you know, we're trying to raise uh, a certain amount for each school. Each school is different depending on the demographic and. I think it's uh, it's a great cause, great great way to support your kids and, and school and uh, education. So yeah, we're we're already above her goals per se, but she's got a uh, another goal to to reach the top. So we're we're still pushing for that.
0: She's got a stretch goal, and we need to get her there. Uh, I think they get a little neat prize if they get to the stretch goal. They do. And- and I know Anna Lee and the and uh, her school, they got a little shirt and dress down days. They always reward the kids. But it's great. The kids go out and raise money like this. Anna Lee's school, her fifth grade class on the way out, was enough raised enough money with this thing to buy the younger kids a playground. And I think that's great. No, it's awesome. You know, what's funny is, you know, when
1: I was growing up, we used to, like, sell candy bars or, like, do something – of that nature you actually got something in return now it's just like donate <laughs> Which yes is,
2: oh' where it's is kind how of the car watches that we do for AAU basketball
1: I, I know I, I know it's just it's crazy nowadays it's just like hey you don't get anything but just donate money at least you got like you know a 25 five dollar candy bar back in the day but hey, now it's, <laughs> it's just donate.
0: Well, at least the kids, every time I drive by, I go, at least the kids are getting to play on a safe playground because of me. No, exactly. Over there, his name's Tom, and he's new. And he's got a beard trim, so he looks good. And He is a Michigan fan, so we'll be easy on him. Welcome aboard, Tom Slong.
3: Yes, yes. Uh, I I was looking a little burly for my own good. Uh, I think the wife made a comment like, huh beard getting a little long huh so uh i made the decision to uh you know trim it down be a little more aerodynamic but a
0: little, uh, little little high and tight on the beard a little,
3: little high and tight and uh, i did win my first week of fantasy uh it's I always took, i took on the uh the uh the lovely wife uh I may or may not have doubled her up, uh, one sixty oh. to eighty eight. So, uh, yeah.
1: so you're on the couch this week, right?
3: <laughs> well, you know, uh, she was a little, uh, she a little uh, fiery about Dak Prescott, so uh, I had to guide her a little bit uh, once I knew this week was done. So it was, uh, it's, it's a friendly competition.
0: Well, you know the thing about reckless speculation. If you won week one, you are in the minority. Very vast minority.
3: <laughs> I didn't expect to. Uh, I had a point and a half from my tight end, and Joe Burrow decided to uh, forget how to play football
0: for a little while. And, Told you uh, he's a bum. I've been there saying. you go.
1: <laughs> I was waiting on that comment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the guy that thinks Joe Burrow's a bum, Robbie Davis.
2: Hey, you know, Randall, you can't, you can't try to make us famous and then get all mad when we're all divas being like, we're not copying our own link. See the, send the link to the right spot. I'm not doing any work. If you want me on this show, that link better be where it's supposed to be.
0: Look, I'm leaving just- y'all behind for barstool. I'm telling you right now. It's going to be me and Portnoy in the office just hanging out without y'all. Y'all be making... You'll be making content with down with big cat in the studios right now. I'm gonna... <laughs> Make it happen. <laughs> Make it happen. All right, guys. Uh, we're going to just switch it up a little bit tonight. Um, like I said, I'm dealing with a little something. So I asked Tom to cover the NFL for us. Uh, and I get to be a panelist more than likely, unless my morphine wears off and then uh, not morphine. I would never do that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, if my pain medicine wears off, but first we're going to hit the NFL. First, I want to talk about a baseball subject that I just kind of sent out in the last minute. Uh, Albert Pujols is sitting on 697 home runs with about 23 games to play. How likely it is he comes back and hits 700 if he ends up sitting on 698 or 699 tom i that's a
3: tough one i i don't see that happening uh he's he's never been one to be bigger than the game i i just think he's he doesn't have that pride that a lot of superstars tend to have um if he gets you know, a couple short. I don't know. I think he's content with being what is he sitting in third place now, all time. And well,
0: I don't if you throw out uh, a rod place, yeah. And Barry Bonds, he's sitting in third place behind Aaron no. and no. Ruth. Didn't he pass a rod? He passed a yeah. rod, yeah. Yeah, yeah six,
2: Bonds, Aaron, Ruth,
0: and yeah, pool, he's so. look at the- Robbie
1: throwing in some MLB here. That's yeah, impressive. Yeah.
0: I, I just, on. he must've watched it on the horn today.
3: I don't, I don't think he does it for the sake of getting 700. He's already a first ballot hall of famer uh, and to come back just to get a couple home runs. Um, I just, it, it just doesn't fit the, the Albert Pujols persona. So I I don't think that'll happen. I think he's content. If he lands on 699, then so be it. He's, He's generational
0: player, and he deserves everything he's got coming. Uh, I think he gets there. I, I think the Cardinals – you may say the Cardinals hit him lead off after they clinched the Bennett just to get that extra swing. Robbie Chang, just real quickly, uh, as casual baseball fans, as you guys that don't follow it like some of us do, how much do you know about Albert Poulos? Um, You know, well, one
2: quick question, and this is a dumb question. Uh the playoff homers count in this count or is this regular nope. season? Regular okay. season. Okay. So um well, I mean, I watched um, you know, I've bounced around, you know, grew up kind of a Reds fan, so very familiar with the Cardinals, then then went moved to uh San Diego Padres and now follow the Braves a little bit more. Um very familiar. Well, Pooh career, you know, he was the one of the Best players in baseball one of the heads faces of baseball, then you move out to where Stars going to die in Anaheim. Oh, yeah. And literally, I lived, I went to school at Chapman University, which is probably who could hit it from the campus to Angel Stadium in in totally irrelevant land in Southern California, where the angels are. Um, and so, you know, he missed out on that. Like, just his total greatness, I think, kind of is less just because of where he played. But, man, it's not so much the 700 mark for me. It's the – how – like, you're close to passing Babe Ruth. Like, he's not going to get to Aaron. He's not going to get to Bonds. But if you can come back and you can pass Ruth – Um, I mean, he's already a giant of the game, but that's legendary of the game. And as a professional athlete, I I don't care how humble you are. I don't know how you
0: don't go for it. Interesting. Jane, I like that take. That's a hot take right there. Could you imagine him coming back? It's reckless. That's reckless.
1: It is reckless. Uh, So, Tom, I agree with your point to an extent. Like that has been his MO throughout his career is a team player, not worried about his own stats so much. Um, But I think this might be a little different, you know, when you're so close, you're at the end of your career, uh, you know, what's, what's a couple more home runs and trying to swing for the fences here. So I see him getting there. I see him making it and you know, it, it's going to be pretty awesome to watch um, when that happens. Like I said, when that happens, because I really, truly believe he will get there.
3: Well, he's only he's only
0: 17 away from Babe Ruth right now. You know, and I don't recognize Barry Bonds. He had to take steroids to hit seven more than Hank Aaron. So Hank Aaron's on one more than the leader, but slew up. This is how long Albert Pujols has been in the major leagues. Casey Clawson was the starting quarterback at the University of Tennessee.
1: Oh, if we could pull up those text messages between you guys.
2: The
0: <laughs> national football champion. And the flip was <laughs> Miami.
3: Oh, that was the yeah. year. That was the year, Claret and
0: uh the boys the Youngstown that, boys went in one. 02 uh well he came up in 01 but yes it would have been the 02 national championship game he has he already has 3000 hits 3369 uh 7 uh, 679 home runs 2199 RBIs in a career 296 hitter You get the reckless speculation salute, sir. You have been a great baseball player. Mm -hmm. On to college football, what everyone's here for us to talk about and what we're here to talk about. And we start with panic and chaos in Boone, North Carolina. Happy State. Happy State. Southern Conference, former Happy State. Michigan beaten. Happy state, happy state of the Sun Belt Conference. We're going to talk a lot about the Sun Belt Conference today. Happy state goes in, beats number six, Texas A&M, at College Station. Hey, and it really, it the game was not in doubt. Pretty much down the stretch, happy kind of dominated the game. Jimbo Fisher, $100-something million, $27 million recruiting class. I will tell you, I still think Texas A&M's coming. I still think this class wins a national championship. But this is a big uh-oh. Tom, uh, outside the SEC, what's the reaction to happy state over Texas a well, as a
3: Michigan fan, it's, it's a,
0: aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now you can feel what
3: we felt 15 years ago, almost to the day. Um, I, I think the reality is a- Appalachian state is they're a good football program. And before they, they joined the the FBS, you know, they were almost champions every single year. So seeing what they did the week prior against north carolina putting up 61 points and losing uh, there's no doubt that they're going in as such a big underdog those teams are scary and 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 if we've learned anything in watching college football through the years you can't sleep on anybody there, there, there's good kids that just can't get into these big programs that you know maybe due to grades or visibility all in all, but uh, this team is good. They're well coached. And when, when you have nothing to lose, you come out of there like gangbusters and they just, they just kept bringing it the whole game. And, and the one thing I, that I love to see was, you know, app appy state, small town. It was almost like every single person in, in that town came down to, run on the streets. It, it was, it was like the running of the bulls in, in Appalachia, North Carolina. It was really cool to see the community come out and just celebrate such a big win. You know, what did they make? 1.9 million to go, go and, uh, to uh, I mean, 1. 1. 1.7. Yeah. 1.7. The thought yeah. was to lose. Um, yeah. They, but they went in they there and won. And come. Yeah. They paid them to go in and make AM look bad. and, and, this, this works wonders for recruiting. I, I think if you didn't think Appalachian State was a decent team, uh, you will now, and, and you'll see some good good things moving forward from that program.
0: Kane, uh $1.7 you brought it up. Uh, Happy State now has played North Carolina. Arguably should have won that football game. Should have won that game, yeah. Yep. Now it's Texas- like
1: 40 points in the fourth quarter or whatever
0: it was. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: insane
0: and did win that football game is happy state getting on the mid major map now like a BYU or Boise. I
1: mean they should be, I mean, look at, look at what they're doing right now. Uh, this is a team that you do not want to schedule at a conference um, and, and try and, sleek by an easy game and pay them you know 1.7 or whatever million dollars to come in to your house and and play football because like Tom said they have nothing to lose and and they are they're well coached and there's a lot of scrappy athletes in the, in that program and these guys, these guys know they're up against a wall and up against these, you know, supposedly five star guys and they were ranked what two, one stars or whatever. And, and they're getting, they're getting motivated by that. And, and this is the outcome. I mean, you see, you see what college football, this is what's beautiful about it is, is, you know, take an out of it, take, transfer portal out of it this is like gut wrenching heart of college football when you see people like this in situations like that that manifest wins um regardless of their talent and it, it's it's awesome to watch and, and they're a dangerous team and i i, I damn sure ohio state never schedules happy state uh, in the off season because or out of conference because that's uh it's just a a no brainer for a catch up game right there. So
0: look we, we learned our lesson with Georgia State a little while ago. We don't schedule Sunbelt team anymore. Robbie, give me you you're you're in the area, you know how competitive Appalachian State was when they were in the Southern conference. You know how they came in here and beat UTC every year fifty five to seven the last two decades of football from Appalachian state is outside of Alabama as probably as good consistently as anybody in the country. But what does this mean for Appalachian state?
2: Well, I'll get to that in just a quick second. Um, just to give you what I think a and was feeling and what Michigan felt like the, the most nervous I ever feel in a courtroom is when I'm going against a pro se litigant, like a self represented person, like I'm supposed to be able to beat them, but they're crazy. They're wild card. They, they, don't, they don't know the rules of evidence. They don't know the rules of engagement. Like they may just say something like, and I'm like, we well, can't do that. They just did it. And, and so it's out there. And so that, I feel like that's what these powerhouses feel like when they play these lower tier schools. Like we know what, we know what, like we're supposed to be able to block them. But when we don't, you get a little nervous and then you start to curl up, get a little <laughs> tight. It's like whenever Brandon plays me at golf. He thinks he's going to beat me, but you know, get a few swings and get hot. Um, but no, where does for this program and for this conference look? Appy State, this schedule is what you want to see if you're App State. North Carolina and AM. If you can get those two on the schedule the same year, if you can beat them both, when we expand to 12, hey, you went out, let Carnage come back. Maybe you are in play. Maybe you're that 12 seed. And if you can get in and see what happens. Because, look, that's two quality wins. You win your conference. You know, i still they're still debating on who's the conference champions. But that's what you want to see. So scheduling is key for these mid-majors. Negotiate. If I have one big big boy in that year, I need another one. And let's try to get two that same
3: year. Let's see if we can knock them both off. Well, they have a game later in the season against Marshall, who just took out Notre Dame. So that that, if they can pull that game off, that would boost. Their rankings and and they're yeah. literally knocking on the outside of the top twenty five right now, and uh, that's a huge game looking ahead that could really put them in 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 a good position. Oh yeah,
2: <laughs> and, and and it's like and it's like Cincinnati when they made it. This is the year. Keep winning. Start next year up in the teens or the the low low teens. Then you keep winning. Let people fall in front of you. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm going to say this much, and then I want to I want to talk about their staff real fast too, because you'll be surprised with a couple of facts about their staff. Uh, two of you have already mentioned Al Welding, their coach. There is a roadmap from mid-major to FCS powerhouse team, and it was wrote and followed by Florida State mm-hmm. in the '70s and the '80s when they couldn't get anybody to play them and they would literally go any place in the country and play anyone. And eventually that grew into the program we now call Florida State. Another team that was on the verge of this in the 90s and the 2000s, I think they came as close to a permanent jump from mid-major to power five as any team has in the last several years that wouldn't sucked up by a power five conference like Utah or, but just from obscurity to uh, their major contenders. If you can remember Southern Miss of the nineties and two thousands, they were beat Alabama played Tennessee. Y'all they were there too. Um, Their program unfortunately slid back uh, like too often. They have like Boise, like some other ones, but I think, I think Appalachians following, following that trail a little bit. If we'll come play you on the road, we'll play on the road five, six times a year just to get those big games. All right. For any of you, we'll start with one question. Do you know Appy's head coach, Sean Clark, is a career Appy coach? Promoted from offensive coordinator to head coach has basically been in that one program his whole career. Does that shock you, Robbie? I was hoping you were going to
2: ask, do, do we know his name? Cause I did know his name, but you ruined it. <laughs> okay. Um, I, uh, have I, <laughs> uh, I think, I think, I think we're going to get into this discussion later about coaching changes and who's going to go where. Um, no, it wouldn't shock me. Somebody who grew up in the Boone program um, would stay there. Uh, Tom, you've probably never been there. Uh, a beautiful, beautiful part of the country. Great people. And uh, it is it is the epitome of don't be happier than happier. Don't try to be happier than happy. It, it's a great, great place. Just a great town. If, if you come down to the Smokies and to Knoxville,
0: we'll run over there. It's not too far. October 15th. Here's another... <laughs> Let's talk about their defensive coordinator has spent 23 years at the Appy program. He left in 2019 and went to Louisville for one year and came back. He has been their defensive coordinator, basically his all, whole coaching career. He was an all American at Tennessee that went to Boone and is early in his coaching career and never left his name is Dale Jones and he's still at Appy, 23 years later, the captain and the all-American of the 85 Vols team that won the sugar bowl. Jane, is there something to say for this continued stream of Appalachian football growing their own staff?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I think experience is the first word, obviously. Um, you look at these guys within, and we'll get into this later as well. Hiring within is not always the best choice, um, but in in this case, it, it's proven well um, on both sides of the ball. So that experience with that culture, um, knowing what you need to do, and then the continual – uh, upper echelon scheduling, I guess, would is making them better and better and better, and and they're knocking these teams off, and and that's like I said, this is not a team that you want to schedule for an easy at a conference schedule game because they come to play, and they're they're looking at you as, hey, this is our you know national championship, this is our our gate in, and you know, buyers beware because it they are, especially after this year, if, if they're not put on notice, I mean, come on. They've been doing this for a while now.
0: Tom, uh, wrap us up, and then I'm going to open the floor for anybody comments about APEF. Does this remind you of Cincinnati a little bit, maybe five years ago? Yeah, it does. It does. Because um, you look at a program
3: that really nobody took seriously in a conference that – really nobody took seriously with Cincinnati and it and, and it took the right coach um, to kind of build and, and and it took the right amount of time for the the, the the kids to buy into that program and I think going back to the the coaching tree at Appalachian State, they believe in what they're doing down there they they believe in the community and, and, I, and I think they, they know that the future is bright. And there's a reason why these guys stay there because they're they're iconic. It's an iconic football program when you look at it that really nobody's heard of uh, outside of the mainstream uh, college football fan. But uh, I do believe that they feel like big wins like that will attract bigger uh, talent. Now, going through their roster, there's a whole lot of players that – they don't even have pictures on ESPN. And that just goes to show you uh, the level of coaching and, and the amount that these coaches are able to get out of these kids. And uh, I, it's, it's a culture. It's a winning culture. And it starts and ends with the coaching. And, and kudos to what they've got going on. And like I said earlier, they're they're on the doorstep of the top 25. and And there's no reason to think that they
0: won't be there within the next month or so or sooner. All right. Anybody got any final words you want to bring up about Appalachian State before we uh, talk a little bit about Jimbo Fisher? Uh, We've not uh, really addressed that, but I don't know what to say other than he's got a job. It's a flub, but he's got a job. Robbie, want to talk about Jimbo a little bit? Um, I mean, I just
2: think it's an interesting dynamic that the big players in Texas and the oil money have got themselves into. Look, he's what one game worse than Kevin Sumlin after 50. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got his one win over Alabama, didn't Sumlin beat Alabama twice?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And then, uh, yeah, they got this recruiting class. Man, you just lost the app, State at home. And, like, bad losses happen, but his offense is 13 out of 14 in the SEC. Um, yeah, they may be in a bad marriage for a while. I mean, if any schools got the money to – if they want to make a change or if he is get on the hot seat uh, – well, I mean, I, I don't know if he's on the hot seat because that's crazy to say with $95 million to buy someone out, but – Man, that's a tough contract to pay. Uh if Ole Miss passes you by, Mississippi State passes them by. It Ar- looks like Arkansas is better than them right now. Um well that's yeah.
0: that's just not Texas AM. That might be everybody in the SEC, not named Alabama or Georgia.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, the, yeah. So uh I don't I just think it's a sticky situation, and there's a lot of unease. Uh the, you can't be confident of where you're headed. They went eight and four, eight and four. Like I just, you can't you can't put anyone on the hot seat with ninety five million dollars to buy them out. But um,
0: no more easy press conferences, I don't think. Hey, hey Jane, and then I'll come, Tom. Uh, in the day of the portal, I, I'm going to just throw this out. To me, I thought Texas a and their quarterback play has been atrocious. Are they just looking for somebody to run that jet? Because they've got talent. That class they signed last year is not really helping yet. But even the class before that was a top 10 class. But I I don't know about their quarterback play and their uh, play calling. What, What did you pick up?
1: I mean, absolutely nothing. From from that game, it, it's it's terrible, and you know, Jimbo, big name, bad hire, kind of situation, and and they're stuck. Like, I mean, at least for three. When you pay that much for some somebody, you have got to give them at least three years, right? I mean, I would think that's kind of has he been there
0: five they can't even buy him out if they wanted to. It would, well, they could. Well, it's, and, and, and here's the problem.
1: <laughs> well, that there, there goes the problem. You give somebody at least three years and and this is the fifth year. Right. So, yeah. and, and we're still back at square one and this is a complete S show. And, I don't know what's going on with AM. They're They're on a free fall, and Appy State is, is one that's coming up and could replace them uh, for sure in the top 25.
2: I, I'll just say this. I've never been in that situation, but if I, if I got paid $95 million over 10 years – or I got paid $95 million over one year to suck at my job. It's hard
1: to work hard for 10 years. <laughs> I right. Think, I take that I'm, one year. Yeah. It's like uh, uh, a Roger or uh, what's LSU's ex? Oh, Orgeron. Yeah. Orgeron. He was yeah. like, they were like, we owe you $17.1 million and we're going to pay that, but you got to leave. It's like, what door do you want me to go
3: out of? <laughs> yeah. What time you
1: want me to leave? Yeah. Cool, <laughs> too. Yeah.
3: What um, would you want me to leave?
0: Tom, <laughs> um, I'm about sick of Texas AM. Sum it up for us.
3: Well, I'll sum it up for you. 97 yards uh receiving, 83 on the ground. That is not a top 25 team. And I, I put in the chat uh the, the, the group chat there. He's an old name. Uh I, I think his his coaching tactics are you know eight years and over. Uh uh, the day of going after the coaches by their names is over. And I think some of the coaches we'll talk about uh, later on in the show will prove that. It's a young man's game. You need young, young coaching talent that, that can kind of, I don't know, fit in with some of the players that kind of understand uh, where a lot of these players are coming from. And when you when you go up against a, a, a Sun Belt team and you can't even put together 200 yards of offense, yeah, I I, I think uh, his days are numbered. And another loss like that, he might be going out like the way of Scott Frost.
0: All right. Well, thanks to the lead in. That's where I'm going next. Let's talk about oh, Scott Frost. Segway. Segway. All right. Well, I will say this. I still think Jimbo gets it done in Texas A&M. I'm in the minority. I understand. But I still think that they're going to buy a championship. And if you get good coordinators. An SEC you- championship or a national championship? I think they'll still win a national championship. Nobody has ever Ooh. signed that's like Texas A&M did last year. I'll, 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 I'll go against that. We're not. Bet Robbie, we're not going to bet. Bet your nuts. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you go to you go to those sites and bet. It's not, I'm not your bookie, but uh, I'm, or I'm not your bookie.com, which is sponsored by regular. no, Never mind. I just think you buy enough players and get enough coaches, you can win a championship. I'm not sure Nick Saban actually coaches at Alabama a lot anymore. He runs a program. He's in the office. He's on a tower. He's not. He's not having his tight ends shift their weight in their three-point stance. He's a CEO of a multi-million-dollar company.
2: Well, I'll just take some. I'll just push back on that little. No one switches coordinators more than Alabama. They have a new yeah. offensive coordinator every year. That train keeps rolling, man. It's and, and let's go through those
0: names. Go through Bill the Brian now. Steve Sarkeesian. Sark. Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Lane Kiffin. Yeah, yeah. So, so
2: let's go, let's go back to him. Out of the dumpster, Steve Sarkeesian. Fired Bill O'Brien. Out of the dumpster, Lane Kiffin. Kiffin. Yeah, they're great minds. And what what do they all have in common? They went to Sabin's boot camp, learned yep. again how to coach, then got their programs. Like this Holy is not just. Oh, you don't, you don't suck to get fired and fired, and then go to Alabama all of a sudden.
0: Oh, now I'm great. Now I'm I can coach football. Lane Kiffin was 10-2 at Southern Cal the year before he got fired. Yeah, Built- Southern, I could go 10-2 at Southern Cal. A big 10 juggernaut compared to the James Franklin at Penn State. And Steve Sarkeesian got fired for being a drunk, not his foot ability. I'm just saying. And the guy that was before them is that Maryland, you hire good assistants. And all those guys are good. I don't think Philip Farmer was a football coach. I think he was Wait, a CEO. But, but
2: saying, saying Nick Saban's
0: not a football
2: coach, he's just a CEO, may be the worst
0: take I we've said, had. We've had some said, terrible takes. I said Nick Saban does not do any football coaching anymore. He's not hmm. the running drills. He's not on I hope. I hope, I, hope I, are, I hope we have good lawyers for this blasphemy. Yeah. Well, Nick Saban <laughs> I'd, have, I'd have to
1: hundred percent disagree on that one. Yes, yeah. for sure.
0: Nick Saban will tell you today his coaches coach. He coaches coaches. There's a huge difference, guys. Yeah, my paralegals do the work, but I, I, I'm no <laughs> lawyer.
2: So just say uh, yeah, you, you think you think Brandon actually does anything? No,
0: but <laughs> well, I don't think he's the mastermind behind it all. I don't think Nick Saban's down telling his center he's got to get leverage on the outside edge. All right, let's move on to a guy that's probably on the field, would like to be on the field coaching.
2: I didn't and- have Nick Saban's this terrible coach, on the agenda
0: tonight. I did not ever say that. You're putting words in my lie- mouth, attorney. I will rebuke you. Scott Frost. Very successful at UCF. Uh, also, UCF was a place that was very controlled, where he was kind of in charge of everything. Also, one of the things that UCF that we don't talk about that Scott Frost had was Danny White, who has obviously proved he's a great AD, and he will put a coach in a position to win. So Scott Frost then leaves, and hey, I'm, I I may have to mute Robbie, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. Folks were gnashing their teeth when Scott Frost got offered the Nebraska job here in the state of Tennessee because up to the point the Nebraska job was open, he was probably the leading candidate for the Tennessee job when Jeremy Pruitt got it. His time is maybe the black eye on Nebraska football. I read a stat, his record. There was one other coach that was worse than Scott Frost through fifty-something games. He had coached in the nineteen hundreds. Mm. Robbie, what went wrong with Scott Frost in Nebraska? Um,
2: kind of what's been going wrong with Michigan? Um, they have this image of themselves and like want to bring this hometown hero. Granted, he was coming off of a nice. Job at UCF. Um, but I think it was just too much of this nostalgia and just wanting it to fit before like betting that it actually did fit. And um, what does Nebraska football look like? Like Nebraska has changed styles. They don't know what they want to be. Like they went from a triple option forever, then Frank Solis t- took over. Then Bill Callahan, you want this, you know, West Coast. Now you're gonna go, Bull Pelini back to defense, and then the black shirts. Now you're going, uh, got, oh Mike Riley out of nowhere, um, mm. the hire, and then mm-hmm. then bringing Scott Frost. as kind of your savior. I think it's a program that. What went wrong is I just think that, they were just hoping that magic. You put things together and they're gonna work. You know, so sometimes oil and water don't mix, and it's hard in Nebraska to recruit spread offense, hurry up guys. Like, you're not Michigan, you're not Ohio State, you're not Penn State, it's one on the East Coast. You're strictly Midwest, you're more Wisconsin, you're more Iowa. Like, I that's not like even though Scott Frost and he may be a great coach. He may not – we don't know yet. He did well. He did poorly. um, But that style doesn't seem to match, which uh, maybe a segue later, does urban (laughs) fit there. But that's what I think. uh, I think it's just a a bad – not a culture, but just a bad
0: style fit. So, Brandon, we all assume Scott Frost was successful at UCF. And we all talk about, you know, Josh Hopple got the hands to the car and he got the cows. Scott Frost was only at UCF two years, six and seven, 13 and 0 and left. Did he vet himself as a coach or did he inherit a team from a veteran coach in Georgia that was ready to win? Mm hmm.
1: I don't necessarily think he vetted himself
0: as a coach. I think it was. That's Randall's new word of the day. I got Robbie, by the way, he said it to me the other day, and I looked it up. It
1: it was one of those interim (laughs) situations where here's a hot coach, a hometown boy, um, this fits, and let's make it work. And and to Robbie's – Kind of stole my thunder. It reminds me a lot of Harbaugh, Um, just like bring this guy in. He's a hometown guy. Like we'll figure it out. Kind of whatever happens, you know, fans will love him because he's a a player here, hometown guy. Uh, And that's not the case. I mean, you know, we're not running the triple option anymore. We're not army or navy or. You know, it's just unfortunate. I don't think he's a good coach because one of two things happened. Either he couldn't adjust on his recruiting for his style or the recruits he had, he couldn't adjust his style for. And and that was clearly shown. And he's just – just not a good fit. Just a hometown guy. Like, let's root for him. Uh, just because he's, he's here and he was great when he was a player. But doesn't necessarily make you a good coach.
2: I was actually talking about more Brady Hoke at Michigan than Harbaugh. But, yeah, <laughs> Harbaugh also.
0: I'm talking about Harbaugh yeah. for sure. Let me ask a question, Tom. Then you can go on with your – um uh, Derek had a great point, too. In my opinion, Nebraska lost their appeal ever since growing the Big Ten. A big fish started to move to a smaller pond to a very big pond, got lost in the shuffle, could never brand themselves in the Big Ten. I'm going to go even one step farther. Did they not re- destroy their built in appeal nationally by not playing Oklahoma, by not playing Colorado, by not playing Kansas State? These rivalries that had been decades mm-hmm. of building. I seen a thing the other day too. At their very best, Nebraska never had to give scholarships to kids in the state. They had 170 kids on the 97 national championship team. Yeah, they could spend their 25 or 30 scholarships in California, in Florida for Tommy Frazier, and they could go pluck these ones and twosies. Sure. I don't think Nebraska has any identity in the Big Ten. They're just another program. Uh,
3: That word is exactly what I wrote down uh, two minutes ago, identity. Soon as Nebraska joined the Big Ten, their identity was destroyed. I agree 100% with what Derek said. Uh, You take away the big lore of specifically kids from Nebraska, Playing Oklahoma, that's a huge rivalry. That's a Michigan-Ohio State type of rivalry. So you take that away. What's the appeal to go to Lincoln? There really is none. And now you throw in the mix of of grasping at straws like Michigan did for several years, uh, trying to bring in the right fit that just didn't work out, and then even so bringing in Harbaugh. I don't think Harbaugh did what he needed to do until he decided that he couldn't do it on his own he needed to bring in the right coaches and i think starting last year he did that he brought in the coaches that were perfect for the kids that he was recruiting so that's why i think he's been successful not necessarily his coaching tactics it's he put aside his arrogance uh and let other coaches that that needed to he needed to bring in let do their job and and i'm not too sure scott frost was willing to, you know, put down his arrogance of being a, a, a Lincoln legend by playing there uh, years ago. I think he just felt that his name alone was going to attract kids. But this is a different era in college football, and you're right—you're playing in Lincoln, Nebraska. Not too many kids uh, wanting to go to to Nebraska in the middle of the winter and and run. You know an option style offense. I mean, you need to recruit kids for where you're at. You're you're corn fed, corn fed, big hoss, big guys. You know, kind of like they are up there in Wisconsin. So I I think he he neglected his own backyard, so to speak, and ultimately was his biggest undoing. So you you hit the hammer or the nail right on the head with identity. They should have never left the Big Twelve. They did it for financial reasons and I get that, but it, it's never paid off. And, and as a program, they paid the consequences.
0: I agree with Derek. I'd rather be in Boone, North Carolina, as I would link Absolutely. It yep. All right. Anybody got any final words? And then we're gonna go through a list of potential coaching vacancies at Nebraska. Nope. Uh, I'm shocked, man! I never. This, opened-
2: that, this was going to be a final word if we weren't going here. So yes, I'm excited about this. All right,
0: I am reading from Yahoo Sports. Couple will, we we sent out already. I uh, uh, had you prepared for, but we'll spend most of our time there. Iowa State head coach Matt Campbell open floor.
3: I don't think Don- he leaves Iowa State. I, I don't uh, think
0: anybody's got the magic
3: to get him out of Iowa State yet. Not uh, he, he was he was number one on Michigan's radar, or number one or number two on Michigan's radar a couple years ago. Uh, and that, you know, say what you want, that program is, you know, appealing even though they were kind of, you know, on the wrong end. But that didn't – that appeal wasn't enough for him to leave Iowa State. I certainly don't think uh, Nebraska will – be an appeal for that unless they bring a contract a la mel tucker but
2: we'll see well okay Uh, let's just real quick before we talk about these coaches is the ceiling for nebraska is it getting into the playoffs at four teams
0: no i don't i don't see nebraska yeah that's a long ways away. They're, they're not. I, I have eight teams in my head. SEC right. getting the playoff,
3: competing okay. so, in the Big Ten East. That that's that's the ceiling right now. Probably. Well, okay.
2: So so is the ceiling of Nebraska an upset in the Big Ten championship, and then winning the Big Ten as an upset underdog?
3: Right now, yes. That, that would be the their ceiling.
2: Yeah. Okay. Okay so if, if that's the premise then let's talk about these coaches would they leave for that being the ceiling I I think a little bit of it depends on
0: the coach also but oh well, yeah mm-hmm. yeah we're we're going to talk it, like can someone bust through that ceiling Let's talk about yeah. the guy right now the interim head coach who I like Mickey Joseph uh first African American in Nebraska's history does anybody see them reaching for mickey joseph on a permanent basis
2: no you don't i mean frost's buyout was going down seven and a half million dollars in two and a half weeks they ripped they they blew seven and a half million dollars to get him out now no there's that you don't do that unless you swing for fences
3: like
0: they're they're i assume they're going for it It, Biggest. it's it's somebody outside the program has to yeah All right, I'm going to give you the biggest name, in my opinion, that sits out there that comes up in every job. Mark Stoops at Kentucky. Top 10. This is a program that was literally the laughingstock of the SEC for decades. Mm -hmm. But no one seems to be able to get Mark Stoops out of Lexington. Anybody see Mark Stoops going to Lincoln to take over that program? Didn't he turn down Florida? Mm-hmm. He withdrew his name. Now that's yeah. Um, that's iffy whether he got told no or. I think he could be out of Lexington at a bigger job right now if he truly wanted to be.
1: Yeah, so that's just it.
3: Is that a bigger job? That's a that's a demotion in my opinion. I yeah,
1: this is not a yeah. bigger job at all. Mm-mm. I mean, yeah, I kind better history, but
3: not
2: a better job. Right? Now. I mean, right now at Kentucky, he's got extreme job security. He is well paid, and he's fighting for second in the SEC East. That's that's a good life to
3: be living. This is like PJ Fleck leaving Western Michigan when he was, you know, yeah. building something, row, rowing the boat in uh, Kalamazoo uh, for Minnesota. He was two years away from a big time program, and I think he made a huge mistake, uh, coaching wise, by doing what he did. So I would I would say that's similar to thinking that Mark Stoops is going to stoop to that level and go to Lincoln. I, I don't see it happening. I think that would be a big
0: big mistake. I literally can't believe if we went in our time machine back to 2000, and uh, I, I do think this that would Stoops would be. I think he would leave for an NFL job, as Derek said. Would Luke Fickle leave Cincinnati for Nebraska?
1: No, no chance. No, no chance.
0: Do y'all realize how 20 years ago this – and I'm not leaving Tulane basketball to coach at Kentucky? Yeah, I mean, No. No, why no? Why would you go to
2: Nebraska if you have yeah. Cincinnati rolling? They he just made the playoffs. We just said we all agreed Nebraska's ceiling is lower than Cincinnati's ceiling.
1: Yeah. And you know, Luke Luke is there and, and like I said in you know a previous show, is it is it a one off fluke or is it actually starting to build a program, and we're going to see this year if they're going to come back and they're going to be in that top ten, top, you know?
0: I think Arkansas may be the third best program in SEC. And this Cincinnati team played them nose to nose in Fayetteville just last week, so I think you yeah. got a pretty good answer. Yeah, right.
1: starting starting to build a bit of program there, so there's no chance, Luke Fickle.
0: All right, Robbie Davis, this is the one you're waiting on. I know it. Everybody ready? Would Urban Meyer and his bad, bad reputation and his ability to win at every school he's ever been to. Now, let's take Ohio State and Florida out of the equation. Utah. He's undefeated at Bowling Green. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This man went undefeated at Utah. This cat is a rotten human being, but he <laughs> absolutely can coach. Urban Meyer, would he go to Nebraska with a chance to rebuild his reputation?
2: Robbie this there. this is the match, right? This is a rabid fan base that wants mm-hmm. a winner that will turn their blind eye as long as they win. This yep. this is This is Urban's dreamland, right? Mm. This is what he wants. Give me money, give me power, let me run my program. I'll recruit who I want. You just let me win, and I will win. And he will. He would win. Like I like. If you want a calmer version, maybe go to Dan Moore. I don't know if we're gonna bring him up yet next, but I don't know if like, hey. It's slimy it's it's just icky but it's college sports and that's kind of what it is all about but yeah if I'm Nebraska I make that call and if I'm urban I listen and uh, for 10 million a year and Nebraska will pay it yeah um, yeah and oh don't discount Fox the whatever the kickoff show is there this mm-hmm. weekend in Lincoln. So, Fox, yeah, so there, there's going to be some talking, and that may not have been a coincidence, reckless speculation. Why they fired Fro- Frost this week, knew Urban was going to be in town.
0: Mm. All right, I'm, I'm going to give everybody else a chance at this, and I'm going to tell you why I don't think Urban to Nebraska could ever happen. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and stand on my point when I get there, but. I just let's think about the athletic directors at Nebraska. Dr. Tom Osborne replaced by Dave Remington, replaced by Albers. Alberts. All directly associated with Tom Osborne. Could they get around that Tom Osborne good guy image to bring in a Urban Myers, Brandon? Um, If this was Oklahoma, I'd say yes in a heartbeat. Just Nebraska.
1: So here, let let me just preface this a little bit. All right. So you've got Urban Meyer, who's been a winning coach everywhere he's went in college football.
0: Great guy, rotten human being. Great coach, rotten human being.
1: Oh, rotten, rotten POS of a person. Um, So you you look at the track record of college. It's great. Then he goes to the NFL and then he still thinks he's God and he can talk to people and treat people, um, that actually have a voice in the NFL, you know, college, you're scared to lose your scholarship or whatever. Uh, so this has been the same guy over and over and over, um, and now he's exposed, and now people understand what he's really about. Um, we all kind of knew it after that whole situation at Ohio State. We knew it in Florida, you know, when he faked his heart attack or whatever. And I was happy he came to Ohio State just because I knew he was going to win there and, and, and could do it. But I didn't realize what, what kind of POS guy this was until – he got exposed. You'll take the NFL.
2: championship though. You're not giving it back.
1: I Hey, look, like I said, I knew it was a little on the the bad side. I didn't know it was this bad. And, and now that you've seen it, I mean, are you kidding me? Like how, how can you, I know time heals all and people forget, but how can you forget this? I mean, just the stuff he did at, in Jacksonville and just what a bad person he is. I, I, don't even fly home with a team. And then he gets, you know, that whole scandal. Uh, he, he, he was so embarrassed. He wanted to feel like God again. So he went back to his bar in Columbus and, and tried to an uh, tried to get his ego checked. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened. Uh, and, apparently if he's talking to these kids this way, I mean, that's just not, not a good vibe. Not look, I'm all for like discipline and, and, you know, holding people accountable uh, for their job, especially in college. This is where you teach. I don't know if he's quite teaching more than fear. Uh, It it was, it's so hard to, to know what went on, but after the exposure in the NFL, it, man if, if anybody hires him again it's just a disgrace in my opinion.
0: All right Tom uh, before we get off of urban any final words on urban then I'm gonna go through some I think reclamation projects that could have a home at Nebraska outside of urban
3: Well you look at you look at like Brandon said his reputation is squandered we'll say I mean everybody knows what kind of a, a human being this guy is. So with that being said, why would Fox risk so much to bring him back to the arguably the soon-to-be number one college football pregame show if they didn't think that somebody would take a shot at him? So now you're Urban Meyer. You you kind of went away for a little little while, you cleaned up your wounds, you know, you, you got yourself built back up. You showed up on set with the with the little beard and glasses, which you, you never seen them, you know, before. So you're looking like grandpa, maybe. Tell me a program where there's not a lot of hype. There's not a lot of uh, media attention that you could go to to rebuild your coaching reputation and go to a place that would say, I'll give you two years. Sure. Two (laughs) years. You come in, you win a championship, you win a big 10 championship. You put Nebraska back on the map and we'll let you go. It's, it's Nebraska. And for me to, to go back to the question you asked, everyone's geared back to Tom Osborne. They don't have a choice. They're, they're at the precipice of becoming a, a program that nobody would rather go to, like we were talking earlier, like would rather go to Boone, North Carolina than Lincoln, Nebraska. So they have to make a big splash. I think in the, the big picture, it has to be Urban Meyer. And I agree with Robbie. I think there is something to be said. Where was he week one of uh, college football big noon? He shows up last week. And now he's going there this week. I think there's some things at play, but for for me, Fox taking the risk of bringing him back on their panel panel says to other programs, maybe we can give him a chance too. Because let's face it, in this today's college football, nobody cares about uh, education. They just want to bring a championship to their school. And and I for Nebraska to do that would. Would be the perfect fit for him. Small media could bring in a big, big uh, program, a la Utah, uh, and and it could be successful for both parties in play here.
2: It it, it almost and I'll be quick. Sorry, I okay, know next up real quick. It reminds me of Kentucky's position in basketball, and they were losing, and they they hired Billy Gillespie, Gillespie, Gillespie a failure. You know what? Calipari's a risk. We know it. He knows it. It's dirty. We're getting him, and we're
0: going to win. Risk this, reward. This is too funny to not bring up. With the portal and urban, I uh, wouldn't succeed in Lincoln. Talent might show up, but they'd leave just as fast as they got there, unless Nebraska prize their rusty corn purse and pays fat NLIs to make Texas and m look cheap. It would be a Midwestern version of Miami Hurricanes in the '80s, Derek Joseph. That's hilarious. We've got to go. I, rapid- I think Nebraska would would take that though to, yeah. to be in that same a conversation. I got to go rapid fire now. I'm gonna go. Each one of you got three coaches. I want to get your gut reaction to this. I'm gonna start with the guy that Robbie said couldn't coach, Bill O'Brien, off the Alabama staff to Nebraska. Would Nebraska take him, or would he take Nebraska? Either way. Mm-hmm. No, Nebraska won't take him. Brandon Jane. O'Brien? No. No, no oh, okay. Uh, uh, Bill O'Brien. Matt Rule from the Carolina Panthers.
1: Mm.
0: Is he fired from the Panthers?
2: He's not going to no. leave the
3: Panthers. They I don't know. In- I don't- I, I, you The year's going to play. I, I don't you get three I don't, years in the NFL. I don't see that.
0: Mm-mm. No, I think he waits for a better job. All right. Here's the guy. I'm going to sell this real fast. A guy that was an offensive coordinator of a national championship team in the Big Ten. A guy that has multiple years as an OC in the Big Ten. A guy that went to the mid majors and went 22 and 4. 22 and four goes to a power five school, goes 32 and 14, and is fired. And he's unemployed, sitting out there working as an analyst right now. Three years ago, the hottest coach in America, Tom Herman. Tom, Mm.
3: no, I don't see it. I
2: don't see it. If you fail at Texas, you fail pretty bad. Yeah. The, who's the guy? The the Leopold guy from Kansas. Yeah, basically. I could see him going to Nebraska.
3: I I, I look at Tom Herman kind of like I look look at uh, Narduzzi at Pitt. I mean, there's there's coaches that are coordinators that Where are able camp? to take to take oh, the is. next step, and then there's coaches that are. They just for whatever reason they just can't make I I Herman had was given everything he, he needed at Texas and, and it just never panned out for him. Uh he was part of the big Ohio State hype train, you know, he was the yep, yeah. he was the guy um yeah. who was the next one to get the big job and, and I, I think the lights were just too bright for him, and that's okay. so I don't think I don't think he'd be a good fit at all.
1: No, I, I totally agree with Tom. Real quick, uh, Tom Herman—he was one of our best offense coordinators we've had in you know quite some time, maybe a decade. And uh, you know, I was rooting for him when he went to Texas, but it, it was just it, it. Like you said, the lights are too big for him. He he just couldn't he couldn't manage. Some people are really good in their lane. And some people are really good, you know, at delegating and, and orchestrating. And he was not one of those guys. He's, he's good in his lane. He's a great offensive coordinator. Um, and I hope he gets another job in, in that aspect, but as a head coach, I mean, he, he had one of the biggest jobs in the country mm-hmm. at, with all, all the money, all the recruits, yeah. and it just didn't work. So uh, I'll see him as a, Good o- OC somewhere um,
2: eventually. What about, what about the uh, old Texas and Florida coach, uh, Strong? Uh, never.
1: Char- Charlie Strong? Yeah. Never.
2: Urban
0: makes too yeah, much, no much sense here. Just hey, make, I got I got, I got an outlier. I got Aubrey. a real quick outlier. Everybody, one comment to clear it up. Everybody's going to go around the table, tell me who your coach is that will be co- – and, and this is no speculation – You're saying right now, here is why, and here's who will be on the sideline in 2023. Tom. I
3: I don't know if this will happen, but this is who I would love to see. And I hope I'm not stealing Brandon's thunder here. Jim Leonard, the defensive coordinator at Wisconsin. I think – you know, going back to, you know, sometimes coordinators can't equate to the coaching, uh, head coaching ranks. I think he can. He's young and he gets so much out of his kids year in and year out. Um, He's a corn fed type of a recruiter who will be able to go into uh, small town Nebraska and really sell the program uh, to their parents and to these kids. And and I just think he's he's kind of a throwback coach being that he played in Wisconsin and, and he's, you know, he's been there D.C. for a few years now. But I, I just think he's a prototypical Big Ten-esque type of coach who knows how to recruit, who can coach his butt off and would be a perfect fit for Nebraska football.
1: Brandon. I'm going to go outside but I didn't mean the lines to cut the- there. You can wrap and, that up. and completely outside of big 10 football and, and nowadays in new times, we've got the transfer portal. We've got the NLI and you need a big name there. Everyone screams urban Meyer, you know, what are, what a big recruit he would be uh, or recruiter uh, to these kids. I'm going to say Dion Sanders i really really like this fit in nebraska Ooh. um Deion sanders is a big name he knows the game nebraska. this is prime time baby like give me some Deion sanders in lincoln nebraska and watch them win a championship all
0: right robbie oh
2: I've never heard anyone describe Lincoln, Nebraska as prime time, but
1: um, no. I didn't say Lincoln was prime time. Look, I said I mean, prime time coming to This Lincoln. makes just too much <laughs> sense. You have a
2: top five college football coach, in my opinion, easily top three, probably the second best college football coach of all time, sitting there looking for a job, looking for a redemption story, you have a storied program that wants to get back to the top. It's just it's it's, it's almost like Tennessee and Rick Barnes it just makes too much sense. Just go ahead and tie the knot.
3: Urban.
0: It does make a lot of sense. I understand the risk, but This is out of the. This is so in the box that it's out of the box. I think Mickey Joseph is going to get a shot to take that program, considering if he doesn't just have a terrible year, if he can play decent football and the kids play hard and the kids are already talking about, hey, we want Mickey Joseph. That's kind of one of the things is how we ended up with Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame. Say, barbie beware. So we'll talk about him in just a minute. Give me Mickey Joseph to move on, but let never let the employees hire the boss. That is so true. Mm-hmm. I want we're, we got a couple. We got about three things, and I want to leave Tom plenty of time on NFL. So I may just go to single reactions and right. then a little follow up on the next two subjects. Uh, let's go to Florida and Kentucky. Where, Robbie, you're the SEC guy. Uh, well, I guess both of them are SEC reactions. Uh, give us your Florida-Kentucky take. I, I don't think I'm shocked. Uh, matter of fact, I believe I said I think Kentucky's going to win the football game.
2: Um, yeah, so it went from Kentucky losing 31 straight, I think, to now winning three of the last five against Florida, including two in the last, two of the last games in the Swamp. Um, these are programs heading in different directions. Mark Stoops has built a – not a powerhouse – in the football sense, but a powerhouse for Kentucky. And um, Coach of the Decade Award, he's got to be in the top three finalists for what he's done there. Uh,
0: I, Yeah, I think they're definitely programs going in a different direction. I think um, Florida still has a load of talent, and Billy Napier will probably get it figured out. Uh, Brandon or Tom, any comments on Florida, Kentucky? Uh, yeah,
3: this was a this was a sorry, Brandon, this was a no, trap game. this was a trap game for Florida. Everyone was buying into the hype. Uh, you had a Kentucky team who, you know, why not go down there and win? and I, and I remember putting a text in the thread, Can Kentucky go down and win in the swamp? And I think the consensus, pick was yeah they they can and they probably will so for kind of a bounce off game of that Utah this was the absolute worst thing that could have happened to Florida to have a a program like Kentucky that's just you know steamrolling through they're they're playing well and and for them to come in so it wasn't surprising I, I that's the one thing I would say about it and it just Basically, it was a trap game for Florida.
0: I think CBS maybe was the most disappointed because they could have had a four and Tennessee or three and Tennessee versus a three and Florida at three thirty next week very easily. Brendan,
1: yeah. So Kentucky is is kind of the silent killer in the SEC right now. They're they're like the app state to me. They're they're a team that is. Continually evolving and getting better every single year, and when they're on your schedule, you know you think, "Ah, oh, it's a basketball school. This is this is another Vandy. This is you know bottom of the SEC." You better strap up your boots, boys, because you you know Stroop's got these boys coming to play, and and that's a whole nother reason. I don't think he's ever going to leave. He's he's building a program here. Um, and he's making his name, uh, again, and, and that Kentucky is no longer just a basketball school and let it be known. I mean, they just beat Florida, uh, and, and Florida's, you know, pretty well known and, and the swamp's hard to play in. I, I love Kentucky you know, sliding in, you know, give them another year or two, I think they're going to be competing in there for sure uh, to win it.
0: I'll just say this, Kentucky's better football program than Ohio, Utah right now, period. Oh, Utah. for sure. Kentucky beats Utah on the field 60% of the time or greater. No, and,
1: and we were all on Utah preseason. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the ranking. I was all on Utah too, minus two and a half. I was all about Utah and uh, over Florida anyway. And, uh, but, but Kentucky is a way better team than Utah. So um, that was evident watching the game.
0: I thought about not even bringing the next topic up because I think it's a non-story in a way, but unfortunately I think it's into the age when Georgia or Alabama almost loses. It's a story. Tom. Texas goes to Alabama, – or Alabama goes to Texas. Wins on a the last-second They'll go. Not as much about the game for you, but how is it losing by one for Alabama now? Is the lead story on ESPN?
3: I think that's big story. When you look at the, the number, was 20. Um, you don't generally see – Alabama struggle in the way they did the receivers were dreadful uh they could not get the run game going um on the flip side they played well on defense but let's face it their bread and butter is Bryce Young and if not for the last 10 minutes of that game you know Texas probably pulls this off I think they got a little bit too big for their britches um at the end I think they didn't put the pedal to the metal we'll say but um I think Alabama looked at this as we got this, we're Alabama. And Texas, with Quinn Ewers, who who came out like gangbusters, and they're big receivers, I think they had a different story. Like, you know, you, this isn't going to be a walk in the park. You better strap on your boots because um, we're ready for you. And, and the heat and the rabid crowd, I, I just think that all came into play. But, yeah, it's a big story when – when the team that everyone said the consensus number one pick in the, in the, in the, the country almost loses. So yeah, that's, that's big news.
2: Robbie. Uh, yeah. Uh, I had to work. I got to this game late I got to about one o'clock. So I missed the Ewers injury and all, and what, what he looked like earlier. So I won't comment on that. Everything I heard, he was great. Um, yeah, this is kind of a, Alabama expect to win kind of game, like Tom said. Uh, probably a reality check for Saban. He may actually come down from his tower and coach this week. I don't know if he's busy or whatnot, but he'll probably do something. Um, but yeah, I mean, but at the same time, like, look, this was Sard coached a great game. That defense played great, but at the end of the game, just tactical style. Saban just out-time managed him, and that was the difference. Like, you, the safety was ridiculous. It was probably the most confusing, worst call I've ever seen. Oh, but, um, but either way, once it was called, Saban had the ball back with enough time. If they wanted to score a touchdown, they could have went it. They kicked the field goal. Um, Bryce Young was great on the last couple of drives. Terrible the first half, first three quarters, but – Got together. I mean, just Alabama survives and advances, and you know, it is what they do. It is, they, that's what they do.
1: Yeah. So, my take on this game um, first off, if Quinn Ewers stays healthy, they win the game maybe by 10 points. I agree. It, it was, he was unstoppable. Uh, The Bama offensive line was the worst I've seen in quite some time. It was atrocious. And, yes, Bryce Young at the end did try and take it on his shoulders. But if you don't – if you remember that last drive before they kicked the field goal, uh, transfer from Ohio State, Ryan Watts had a wide open uh, corner blitz and hit him in the backfield 10 yards – and slipped. he slipped the tackle. Uh, that, that was a huge play, huge turning point in this game, and he ended up running for a first down. Uh, now that changes everything, mm-hmm. but like I said, this is one of the worst offensive lines I've seen out of Bama in quite some time, and to be honest, I, I think – Bryce Young was confused for, like, three and a half quarters. I mean, he had no idea, no read on the defense. Um, receivers were dropping balls. Offensive line was terrible. It, it just looked so, uh, like, Lego linked, put together. It just wasn't cohesive. It just it felt very forced. It, I don't know. You know, and maybe this is just an overlook of, of Texas by Bama. Um, you know, Bama's probably going to just do what they do eventually, but this game, man, slipped away. And in Texas Texas had them on the ropes. And like I said, if Ewers if was healthy, dude, this game was over. They won by 10 points if Ewers if was healthy.
3: And, and, uh, and also to mention, uh, they're – all-American, who some thought deserved to be in the Heisman, running over Aiden Hutchinson, Will Anderson, he was a liability, especially in that first half. Yeah. He had three penalties. He had totally a huge good. penalty on on third and five, where he lined up in the neutral zone after they got they stuffed the uh, um, Bijan Robinson, Robinson, but in the yeah. backfield that that cost him.
1: So just I boneheaded
0: think, plays. Yeah, yeah, they just they kept shooting themselves in the foot. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. I think y'all are a hundred percent on the money on that one, and somehow they'll end up going eleven and one and playing for the SEC title. I don't. I don't want them to, but they always do. I don't do. think so. I agree with Tom's take there. Um, yeah. All right, we got seven minutes. I want to leave Tom uh, thirty minutes to cover the NFL uh, quickly let's talk about the third Sunbelt team getting a victory and the current state of Notre Dame football as Marshall, I mean, handles Notre Dame. Very impressive. Not even a close game to me. Uh, Marshall beats Marcus Freeman in his third attempt to get his first win as a coach. Has Notre Dame the wrong hire Tom? Well, I think I think the
3: easy answer right now is probably to say, yeah. Um, going back to like your your take on uh, Mickey uh, Joseph, Joseph. Uh, I think Nebraska is really going to look <laughs> at at the fact that the players wanted Marcus Freeman Very as their much. head coach. Um, but make no mistake, he's 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 a hell of a coach. And I, and I really do think he'll, he'll straighten it around and let's face it. He's at the right program to do so. They're going to give him plenty of time to uh, put it back together. Just look at Brian Kelly, Cajun Kelly, which, you know, it was stupid (laughs) that he left. How many failures did he have year in and year out? And yet he still was beloved by the alumni. But so I, I think for that fact alone, being in South Bend, he's a good guy. He's a good fit. Um, they just need to bring in a, a, an offensive coordinator that, that's going to attract somebody that's going to be able to move the ball. And offensively, they're just putrid. And the fact that uh, Buchner or whatever his name is, uh, went out, I think that's actually a good thing for this team because Pine might be a better option. He actually looked better uh, last year in uh, when he played – Uh, Oklahoma state in the bowl game. So wrong hire right now, you can say yes. um, But I think in three years, people might have a different opinion of him.
0: Brandon. Um,
1: So I, I agree with you on a level that is the immediate hire is completely wrong right now. Like he was a player's coach. Uh, it was it was inside. He knew the system. Blah blah blah. Uh, here's where his inexperience comes in. He's got his first game against you know a top three team in the country, and all he does is focus on that. And and they played great. They really did. They they played first really half. good against. Yeah. And I, I think he he spun his wheels working on that game. He was not uh, not even considering game two, and and I think that's where you know some of the inexperience comes in. It, he thought maybe it would, could have been a lax week or or, or someone of that nature uh, against Marshall, and you know that. You know, this is Marshall's Super Bowl. They're playing an, another big, big time and got, team and
3: got paid and got and paid.
1: got paid. Got they? Yeah, they got 1. 1. 5 million yep. 1.4 1.5 million to come uh, beat the crap out of Notre Dame. So, you know, I think you can chalk some of that up to inexperience. Do I think he? You know, put him on the hot seat now? No, I mean. He's a player's coach. Let's see what he can do. Let's give him, give him two years, let him recruit, uh, maybe three, and, and see what happens. But as it looks today, no. I mean, he, he looked terrible. He's got a lot, of, a lot of bumps and bruises along the way. But, you know, those are learning experiences, um, as we know. So uh, Notre Dame's going to be fine. That they're gonna do what they always do in non-conference, and and be in the top five somehow every year.
0: All right, Robbie Davis, you have four minutes and forty seconds. Go. Got <laughs>
2: to take the whole time, or is that just my max time?
1: No, you, you get uh, one
2: forty-five. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, with Freeman, look, not ready does not equal not great. So not saying he can't be great, he's just not ready. Now the question for Notre Dame, and only for Notre Dame, is do you wait for him to get ready to be great if you think he's going to be great? And if you do think he's going to be great, then you wait for it. But they jumped the gun on this hire, and I think it was a lot of pressure from the players and probably – this is the unforeseen things of the transfer portal is that a lot of players were going to leave unless they made him the head coach. And players mm. are getting power now. And administrators are having to will- yield some of that power. And this is one of those cases, one of the first cases really we've seen. Look, Charlie Weiss didn't go 0-3. Willingham didn't go 0-3. Um, Freeman's went on three. So it's his first three games a head coach. So the the trajectory's not for him, but it's early, man. Like but this 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 is exactly why you don't give 32 year old coaches head coaching jobs that haven't been proven elsewhere, big programs, because you don't know. And we'll see how it goes, but he didn't look necessarily lost on the sidelines, but he did look like, he man, nice. this is big. Like, like I don't know if y'all saw it. That's what I took from like Marshall when he flipped his head headset off. Like
1: that's what I'm saying. The the whole this whole thing, like yeah. he he has no idea where he's at.
2: Yeah, like look, like it, it's almost like like as a 32 year old would be, um, playing to the camera instead of solely focused on the game and like I don't care people like I could have mustard over my shirt and I'm coaching the football game as opposed to
3: it, it
2: I don't know yeah. it was just a
3: weird look for me. Well you look at most most coaches, most head coaches they they get their bumps and bruises in, in, in smaller programs this guy's yeah. this guy's a first ever head coach in one of the most storied programs in all of college football, he's got a lot of pressure on him at 32 years old. Um, So I think bumps and bruises uh, at Notre Dame as your first head coaching position uh, is they they go a little deeper and they, they they hurt a little bit more than they would hurt at say like a ball state or at at a, uh, you know, a Western Michigan or something like that. So I, I think, they're maybe highlighting his mistakes, which it's okay. He's going to make mistakes. He should. He's a first-time head coach. Well, and that's the
2: this, thing, though, and this, and this is where not being a conference really hurts the, him because now the players have nothing to play for. They're out of the playoff. Mm-hmm. They, there's no conference the championship win for. Like, it's just get through the season healthy and not get hurt. And mm-hmm. so. That sucks because he's trying to motivate young men to play, but they've got motives too, and they've got goals, which is to not get hurt and and get, that, get, get to that third year so we can go to the NFL. All
0: right, guys, I hate to wrap it up, but we, we're going to have to go on to the NFL. And I'm going to turn it over to Tom. I will be here in uh, voice only, but I will be here if you need me. Uh, uh, for comments, by the way. Thought the Falcons played well, even though they choked at the end. I do want. To, <laughs> I do want to. I, as an underdog, they almost won the game. Unlike a team that was
2: almost the won. Team. They were up sixteen in the fourth quarter. The court they
0: almost won. <laughs> <play>. Yes. <I, coughs> that lost at home. I'll just say that and move on.
1: Hey, have you ever seen the Titans play? Yeah. Yes. We'll
0: see but, what happens? Before I get into this debate with the bourbon drinkers over there, I want to talk about something real fast. Just a second. Um, my daughter is 12 years old and has a very deep, passionate heart for people. She has a gentleman in her life named Zach Ward that's a guitar teacher. By the way, if your kids want guitar in the Chattanooga area, Zach Ward, call me, call me. I'll tell you what, your kids who want to take guitar lessons, I will pay. For their first lesson, out of my pocket, you go to Zach. If you don't like him, then it's not cost you nothing. Uh Zach has a band, a local band, and uh, they're very talented older gentlemen that like to get out and play. His bass player, Dean, uh, has a GoFundMe going. Dean was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Uh, the doctors are already saying it's going to, uh, spread to his liver, and it's coming fast. Uh, we are going to do some benefits for Dean around town. There are going to be some free shows, some silent auctions, but there's a GoFundMe, and my daughter asked me for River City Media to post this. If you look in the scroll below, or you look on River City Media or my personal Facebook, you will find Dean's GoFundMe. I don't know Dean's personally, I know Zach. I don't know how much Zach thinks of Dean. Um, if you have the heart to try to help somebody, he's trying to get his social security right now. He's trying to retire, do all the things he needs to. It's a family that could really use the help. And, uh, I would appreciate it. My daughter would appreciate it. And all the guys from River City Media would appreciate it. Thank y'all for letting me take this moment to just kind of rant about this. But, um, I have two people I care deeply about that, that, that wants that cares deeply about this man, so he must be a good man. Yes.
2: Thank please, you for Lene, me and then, Randall. If you'll share that, the, I, you can't click click on this link. I just tried to. If you'll share it, we can all share it on our social media. It, it yeah. is
0: on her Facebook, um, but I'll send it an email too. Uh, I, I know that's the best way to communicate with you guys now. <laughs> uh, on your, I'll send it to your Facebook if y'all put, or on the email if y'all put it on there. Only suckers are on Facebook. I am going to step aside. This show does not need me to run because we have a two hosts besides myself, one being Brandon Chain, one being Tom. Tonight, it's going to be Tom up, and I am here, and I will be producing the show henceforth.
3: All right. Well, thank you guys for uh, giving me the opportunity and thank Randall, and uh, yeah, if you can donate to that GoFund, that's, you know, that's a... It's a you know sad situation, and we wish him the best. And uh, we just love Randall's heart. You know he he you know he looks like a rough fella, but man, he's he's got a heart of gold. So, moving on, uh, what a crazy week! Not only in college football last week, but who'd have thought that it would just continue to the next day and the next couple days in the NFL? So, guys, I mean, it started right away with Buffalo and the Rams. Uh, L.A., you know, coming off a big Super Bowl win, big high. Matt Stafford, boy, they really looked bad. Uh, was that a situation of them looking bad, or is Buffalo just that good? Brandon,
1: what do you think? Man, I think Buffalo's that good. Um it, it hurts me to say uh, Josh Allen is a dog. Like, this dude is a dog. Like, I mean, if you watch his interviews, he's, like, the nicest person. Like, <laughs> you know, super s- smiley and, like, happy-go-lucky. But when he gets you, – you look at some of these, like, obscure interviews with some of his teammates and other things they're like this dude is a dog like mm-hmm. he that that uh, uh, sorry losing my train of thought here real quick um, Derek Henry stiff arm kind of deal that yeah, he sure. did and put that dude down and then you know the touchdown run you know reaching over I mean this dude, He's unstoppable, you know, and, and his his team believes that. And when you have that belief, and when you got a leader like that, I mean, you're you're dangerous. You one are of, so dangerous.
3: One of the things I took away from, especially when he took off with the ball, which I think he did it a little bit too much. So we'll be interesting to see if this continues on throughout the season. He was putting the hits on the defenders and he was getting yep. up and, and he just had this, this, you know, crap eating grin, like <laughs> I, I got you. So yeah, he, he was on another level. I think he's on a mission and we all know what that mission is. Uh, but another player that st- stood out all night long, their free agent signing in the off season, Von Miller, as we like to call him the Lord of the rings around here. <sighs> Um, yes,
1: Lord of the Rings.
3: <laughs> Robbie, what is it with Von Miller, who goes to L.A. last year, uh, joins a defense that was was kind of lackluster. You plug him in. Next thing you know, the, you can't get past him at all. They go on to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl. Now he comes over to Buffalo uh, in the game he had. What is it that he brings to a defense that really amplifies how everybody else plays. The the, the
2: only analogy I can think of, um, I don't want to date us with our audience, but remember in the '90s when Dion went from the Niners to the Cowboys and whatever team he was on won the Super Bowl. They were winners. That's what it feels like with Von Miller. Like mm-hmm. he's he's a machine, and like he's just unblockable. And he brings it in, like – I mean, the, the the equalizer in the NFL from a great quarterback is the defensive end. And the Bills now have it. And so, man, they looked as good as any team I saw over the weekend. And, yeah, I, and I agree with what you, you guys said earlier. Man – uh Alan looks like he's on a man with a mission. He did not spend this offseason enjoying life. He
3: spent it preparing and he wants to win the Super Bowl. There's no doubt about it. Um, yeah, it's it it's it was kind of fun to watch. It, it looked like they were all having a great time. Um, one caveat I will say, uh, it was interesting to see uh, Odell Beckham Jr. was part of uh pre-game ceremonies. Uh so looking at that that receiver core. And I think we all thought Allen Robinson was maybe going to be a, a key factor in, in, in let's face it. He wasn't um, besides cup who did, does what he does. Uh, there was nothing there. um Do you think the Rams might take a stab at uh, Beckham? And is that one of the reasons why he may have been there? What do you, what do you think, Brandon?
1: I mean, that's kind of far fetched for me personally. Um I think the Rams just got punched in the mouth. Yeah. Is what happened. Um I I think the Bills were a better team, they were better prepared and better coached. And and Sean or uh, Sean McVeigh is one of my favorite coaches. Obviously, people tell me I look like him all the time. Uh he's one of my favorite guys uh with his offensive schemes but they were they were not ready uh, mm-hmm. for this defense uh which is was surprisingly better than last year which i thought was mm-hmm. you know a, a top three top five defense uh and to combat that josh allen on a mission i mean yeah. it's just i mean they they didn't have any time their offensive the Rams' offensive line had hardly zero time. Uh, I, I mean, they were com- completely overwhelmed all game, and and that was the difference. That that's why you know, Allen Robinson's going to be fine in this scheme. I I think he's going to be a big player. I I just think it was the game plan and and what the Bills. I mean, you got a whole season to prepare. Yeah. You know, whole off season for for who you're coming against the uh, defending Super Bowl champions. I mean, th- a lot of this game scripted, and you know their tendencies. This is this is the most studied game uh, per se of the year. So, uh, I don't expect anything less out of out of uh, the Bills and and what they're about to do.
3: Yeah, and you can you can you know look at. How their season ended last year. So they had week one marked on their oh, calendar yeah. that that's for sure for the whole season. Uh so moving well, on well, to
2: well, oh, go ahead, Robbie.
3: Oh, I was say, I do wonder
2: like McVeigh's strategy was hey, team doesn't come out for the Super Bowl celebration, like that was all last year. I just wonder how much that was just kind of like, hey, let us celebrate, let us be out there and celebrate. I just think it was kind of um. You know, maybe just a little bit of just they just weren't ready, and for whatever reason, that game what I think they wanted to be celebrated, wanted to hear the crowd and get pumped up, and and this is McVay's first Super Bowl, and and there's only a few coaches that can win some. I'm not sure he handled this turning the page correctly, but I've never won a Super
1: Bowl, so I don't know. <laughs> no, I, oh. I, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was say real quick. I think the difference is. Winning a Super Bowl and losing a coin flip um, motivates you a little bit more in the offseason. I think the Bills probably prepared two to maybe even a month longer than the celebration of the Rams, and I, I think that kind of showed. So,
3: yeah. Well, moving on to the other team that uh, represented uh, – the AFC in the Super Bowl last year, Cincinnati, uh, boy, they didn't look good, especially Joey mm-hmm. Burrow. Uh, I think they came out uh, thinking that they swept Pittsburgh last year and that it was going to be uh, a similar situation this year, seeing that they're starting Mitch Trubisky. Uh, Robbie, I'll start with you since, you know, you, you – you, picked cincinnati to to win and possibly get back to the super bowl is there any reason to panic uh should the fans hit the panic button or is this just one game and uh they'll figure it out so a little bit of
2: both um yeah you should panic because joe burrow's a bum (laughs) um i had him in fantasy last year he calls from (laughs) the league he's a bum um But aside from fantasy's standpoint, I mean, I guess if you're going to be, you know, neutral and objective, I'm not sure we want to do that here, but if we're going to be objective, no reason to worry. Five turnovers, they missed by a field goal. Um, No, there's no reason to worry. Pittsburgh's not – that. while they stole a game, their longevity's not going to be – up to up to par, they can't do that for the whole year with their quarterback situation. So, um, so this is what I'm starting to get irritated with about the seventeenth game. Now, is no one's playing in the preseason? So now this is the first week's come was a throwaway game for these coaches, and totally I'm agree. not liking the look of this.
1: Totally agree. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is what we're seeing now. I mean the preseason's thrown out the window and our first week or two of the real NFL season is when people actually get to play together and try and formulate somewhat of a offense, defense, whatever team. And, and, and this is what you're seeing, you know, mistakes and stupid plays and all that stuff's cleaned up in the preseason, right? Yeah. Well, now we don't have that. So this is what you're going to see. I mean, if, nfl wants 17 games you know you're going to suffer through you know the first week or two of muddy pretty much an extended preseason call it week one whatever you want to see and and it's it's not going to be pretty Um, y'all see me no because i i've got (laughs) a big uh
3: Randall, if you're back there, can you take that chat down so we can see Robbie? I don't know if hey, you're still actually back.
1: this is not oh,
3: there we go. Thank you. I was Randall. gonna Thank say you. it
1: was it was much better to cover Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. I, Brad, I was Florida. quite enjoying that. But <laughs> now so moving it's, on. It's just, oh, go yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. I'll i say what I need to say.
3: <laughs> moving on to probably the biggest uh Shocker of the weekend, albeit it was a monsoon in Chicago, San Francisco going in there and and let's face it, they, they laid an egg. Uh, Trey Lance's debut as the starting quarterback, San Francisco. I'm going back to what we we talked about earlier about Marcus Freeman. Was that the wrong hire? Was it a little premature to? name Trey Lance the starter uh, in San Francisco or did they kind of pull the plug on Jimmy G too soon? What do you think about that, Brandon?
1: I don't think so. Again, it goes back to what I just said. Um, I think the lack of people playing in the preseason and this is week one reality wise is, is the new preseason. Um, I I don't think it's a, it's an overreaction. You know, there's some things that need to be be in place. Yeah, the Bears were up for the game. It's a big win for them um, over San Fran. But you know, Trey Lance has got a a, a big talent. He he can run the ball. He, he's multifaceted. I like this guy um, as their long term long term guy. Jimmy G. He he's just. Slightly better than the average to me. Uh, I don't know. I I don't see much of a difference if this happened, you know, a little later down the season.
3: Well, they brought Jimmy G back for a reason, in my estimation. Uh, would Definitely, for both sides, thought it was a little suspicious. Um, with that being said, do you think that plays with the head of a young quarterback, knowing that – uh, the guy that he replaced is just nipping at his heels. And, and do you see any time within the next possible four to six weeks, if Trey Lance just doesn't pan out, that that they bring in Garoppolo to, to, uh, uh, off the bench, Robbie?
2: Yeah, yeah well, I mean, like, uh, I don't know if y'all watched Manning cast or uh, regular ESPN last, or I guess Monday night. Uh, man, on Manning cast... Peyton Manning was over and over and over again, like, this is why you play in the preseason. This is why you play in the preseason. Like he's like, This is these are the mistakes you're making because you don't play. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and Manning's a football player. He wanted to play every snap. He would he play the whole preseason if he, if he could. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, yeah, if I'm Trey Lance, that was a bad performance. And I think I'm the franchise quarterback but we all know the NFL stands for not for long. And look, they gave away a bunch of picks for him, but they can get a bunch of picks back for Jimmy G. And if they want to go from Trey Lance, like those picks are fluctuating, but I I said it draft night and I said it, uh, I'll still say it. If you're not accurate in college, you can't play in the NFL. And Mm -hmm. I thought, Trey Lance and Zach Wilson are both fall in that categories. They're both still sitting on the bench or about to be benched. I just don't like that look for a top five quarterback
1: pick. Here's the thing, though, is if you publicly name <laughs> Trey Lance a starter, which they did, and then you let him play two or three games and then you retract that and you put Jimmy G in, Trey Lance is done, like yeah. absolutely done. There's there's no chance he makes it in San Francisco. Yeah, maybe he gets traded and works his way back up, whatever, in a in another team. But for San Francisco, absolutely done. So you made your call already. Like you got to write, you got to write him out. Yeah. Barring injury, that's the only reason Jimmy G comes in. Well, but no, but but all right. But think about
2: that though. You played football. The players know who the best player is to play. And if you are not playing the best player and you're not giving them the best chance to win, that team quits on you.
1: Not necessarily. Because there's a a team camaraderie in the locker room that... That gets together, and that's but, but, that's different. You don't different. trust
2: your coach. You don't trust your coach. If it doesn't
1: matter. If, even if you don't trust your coach, there's been several times I didn't trust my coach. Obviously, not at any level of this nature where you're actually getting paid. This is just pure heart playing. Of people, well, no, you want to win, but,
2: but it, in the NFL, it's a business. You're, sure, it's a business. So if yeah. you don't trust your coach, you're not you're you're playing. Well, nuts. and you.
1: And you want the best players out there that can make you more money that that highlight your skills and and do everything they can to yeah. better you and the team. Uh, but uh, man, it's they're they're in trouble in San Francisco. It's a slippery yeah, slope. They are.
3: Yeah. Uh, so we'll 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 rapid fire through these uh, real quick. Uh, man, did Aaron Rodgers look bad? Um, I thought he was going to. Uh, chokeslam uh, Watson for missing the wide open touchdown earlier in the first quarter. Um, this team looks like they're in deep, deep trouble in the North. Uh, even had Sean Payton to go as far as say that the, the lions could finish second, uh, to Minnesota. We've been through this before, specifically with, uh, with Aaron Rodgers, the whole relax issue. Um, but this time could be different. He he doesn't have that go-to guy that could get him out of uh, trouble uh, like he did back then with Devontae Adams. Uh, are we looking at the, the, the downfall of Aaron Rodgers here, Robbie?
2: I don't want to overstate what I'm about to say. But I want to get into a realm of emergency that Aaron Rodgers maybe one of the greatest talent that is underachieved in NFL history. Look, he looks like he is in I-don't-care mode. Like, I don't know if he's a competitor. And that's worrisome if you're, like, I mean, like, like, really, like, has he cared at all in the offseason? He he won't go to OTAs, won't go to the offseason, won't practice with receivers. Then he gets Always frustrated about, yeah. when they can't catch his football. Like yeah. the nuances, and like you'll watch videos about the difference between throwing a left hander to a right hander. Like these, it's a the spin science. rate.
1: Everything, yeah, everything yeah. takes everything. The science, mm-hmm. and it's
2: like to not show up, not care. He's one of the top five talents of all time in quarterback, and he may not be in the top twenty. Actual quarterbacks of all time, in my opinion, like th- like he's ruining his legacy. How he's acting and playing, like he he had wait. When's last we when when won a playoff game? Five years ago. Like mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. been a long time. This is this is a guy who's teetering on a ruining
3: his legacy, in my opinion. Well, you look at how he went into camp, and he and he publicly. Uh, spoke down about his receiving core, uh, which yeah. you know, if you're a young guy coming in, I mean, that's a lot of pressure to begin with when you're you know coming in with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, and then to be kind of called out in in public about not such a hot start. Uh, I, I just think this is a situation where uh, maybe not a lot of faith uh, in his receivers, and his receivers don't have the confidence in him either. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out um, to me, losing was the uh, Smith on defense was a big, uh, big loss uh, similar to uh, Devonte Adams. Uh, and you saw Minnesota reap that benefit. He was, he was all over Brett Favre. And uh, to me, that defense uh, uh, has what it takes definitely to win the North uh, but, you know, how far can they go with that defense? And, and you know, Kirk Cousins just playing, you know, mistake-free football, Brandon.
1: Um, all right. So the whole Aaron Rodgers thing, yes, he he has called out a lot of his rookie wide receivers and, and newcomers. Um, And that's been blasted in the media. Uh, but what you don't see also is that he's – actually working with these guys behind the scenes. He really is, from what I've read in camp, um, even after the first game, he he's he publicly scolds them, but he also talks to him in the locker room and works with them about it. So you know take that for what you will. Um now are they this passing juggernaut that we've seen in the past doubtful this year Mm -hmm. um but they do have a two-headed monster in the running back field and i think that's where their bread and butter is going to be this year um despite if aaron can check his ego and and actually hand the ball off a little bit more (laughs) uh you know he's already made what 245 million i mean let it go just hand the ball off if you need to. You got uh, two great running backs, so uh, AJ
3: Dillon and, and Aaron Jones.
1: Yeah, and, and it's unfortunate. Sometimes the media portrays you a little bit different, and it's it's early, so we'll see. Um, he is kind of a strange character, in my opinion, but uh, <laughs> we'll we'll see how they they go. But uh, yeah. he is, man, one of the best talents I've seen in in the NFL in a long time,
3: without a doubt. Uh, one thing I will note: he does have a somewhat of a security blanket in Bob Tunyon back at tight end. So I look for him to see a lot more action, which could open up uh, the edges for some success from the other receivers. Uh, let's go to the game uh, Monday night, which could be the the maybe the worst coaching performance we've seen here in a while with uh, Nathaniel Hackett deciding to go for a 64-yard field goal uh, to possibly win it in Seattle. Um, Not only did he make the wrong decision to go for that kick, he let over 30 seconds tick off the clock in the fourth quarter with three timeouts, which I'm yelling at the TV. Call timeout. I had some money on this game. I'm not going to lie. Um, uh, but w- what was he thinking by going in his mind that yeah, I'm going to send my kicker out to make possibly the second longest kick in, in NFL history. What do you What do you think went through his mind? Is this a Is this a rookie coaching mistake or or is, what do you think, Robbie? I mean,
2: like. To a very basic level and just a very simpleton level, like, had these people never played Madden? Like, like, I don't understand. Like, you laugh, but seriously, like, we all learn time control. (laughs) We learn time control, time out control from playing Madden. Like, do you not understand if you have 60 seconds left? And, like, even if you miss, like, try to... Get timeouts and try to do something. If this was a disaster, you had Peyton Manning calling timeouts 62 times mm. on the Manning cast. <laughs> but this was just an embarrassment. And yeah, like a 64-yard field goal when you paid Russell Wilson 250 million dollars to come through on this play. And look, you can you can almost I don't remember what hash mark it was on, but if it like You can roll right with a run, pass, deep pass option. And Russ Wilson going to get five yards if he has to every single play. And so that was just a – it was a bonehead decision and why Russ didn't stick up more for himself. Look, this is an odd situation, I think, too. that doesn't feel right. It's it's the first date, but it feels awkward.
3: It – it was a pressure cooker. There's no question about it. It seemed like every time Denver got down to punch the ball in, they made a mistake. Russell definitely was not, you know, the Russell Wilson we've all used to, to playing. I think the one thing he didn't do, which was, he was always successful at was running the ball. Now I felt like he was trying to force things. Uh, Brandon, did, did you see him recovering from this or, or, or is Denver going to look back and, and, and really question why the, they gave him such a, in my estimation, a ridiculous contract extension.
1: Um, I think he'll recover. I mean, this is, yeah, it's, it's quite a, an extensive contract, but he's a borderline Hall of Famer right now, and it's crazy. I mean, he's been to two Super Bowls, one one Mm-hmm. But, you know, granted, his, his team around him has, has helped out a lot in that. But, uh, you know, I, th- I think that was just a big coaching mistake on that part in this whole game. Um, I think he was timid. This was Seattle's Super Bowl. Uh, they're not a good team. Yeah. This is probably the best game they're going to play all year. Um, they were geared up for this game uh everyone knew it 12th man was all in fashion um it was it was epic and mm-hmm. and this is what they're going to remember from this season because they're not a good team this, no. this was this was their best win of the season this was their super bowl and for sure good for them you know good for them um but yeah it was a poor coaching decision you'd pay 250 million dollars for a uh, a quarterback. It's fourth and five, five. yards. Yeah. It, there is a – if there's not, you're stupid, but there is a plethora of plays that you can mm-hmm. run to get five yards with Russell Wilson. So it, it was – and I was surprised to see McManus could actually kick. He he could have made it. Like, it mm-hmm. was on track. It just started it had the distance left. Yeah, it had the distance. Yeah. That was – Incredible of me. Um, what a leg by McManus uh, also. But uh, c- stupid decision. Crazy. Um, you know, it's just somewhat karma, kind of, coming back into Seattle for Russell, unfortunately.
3: I, I'll say I was a bit disappointed with uh, the, the Seattle faithful for booing Russell uh, Wilson. Yeah, right? that's just I, un- I, I feel like he he didn't deserve that for everything he accomplished there. And the fact is, he was traded. He didn't, you know, he didn't. Well, they tried to trade him two other times before this one. Yeah, he wasn't. He was never going to be there beyond last year. So um, I disappointed. I I thought it was going to be a lot better. But, you know, it, it is what it is, I guess, when you look at. He's not there anymore, but for what he did for that city, for that football team, exactly. I think he did, I think he deserved it. Should have been it. a
1: standing ovation.
3: Oh, I agree, absolutely. So we're going to move on to uh, this week's picks, um, starting with the Thursday night game, which, I mean, to, to follow up last week's Thursday night game, you got the Chargers going to the Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City's giving four and a half and over under of 53 and a half now Harrison Butker, the kicker for Kansas city, he's out. And so is Keenan Allen for, for uh, the chargers. Uh, How much of that uh, can affect this game? We'll see. Uh, Brandon, who do you got in this one?
1: Um, Oh man, this is a tough one for me. Um, I like the chargers, I think. and, I like Mike Williams, and I like um, Tennessee dude Josh Palmer. Uh, I think he's going to really step up. And it's in Arrowhead. That's tough. Still like the Chargers. I I take the points. I think Chiefs win the game, but oh okay. okay. I, I think I think I take the points on the Chargers.
3: No, so you you took. Uh... Seattle this past week with the points, so uh, that would not be a, uh, an odd pick, that's for sure. Um, Robbie, I'll go to you since you're the uh, the neutral Lions guy. You were you uh, you don't eat the cornbread or drink the Honolulu Blue and Silver Kool Aid. Uh, Washington Detroit. It's the first game in 24 games that the Lions are actually favored, albeit it's only a point and a half. It's actually come down. What yeah. is your take? I'll give you that in just one
2: second. I just want to say, so Sunday, I'm sitting here. I click on the race. You guys know how big of NASCAR fans I am. I click on the race for two laps the whole race. Like, every every year, I'm like, oh, the NFL's so great. And I talk about it, blah, blah, blah. Then it actually hits, and it's better than you ever expected. It's always better than it was the year before. And so, I was hooked last week, but only watched two laps of the race. But on the Commanders, well, I do really hate them again. Their um, name.
3: You just hate their name.
2: Yeah, I do hate their name. I hate them. <laughs> like, uh, so, first time line's been favored since November of 2020. Oh. I'll take Washington.
3: Mm. Mm. on the road. On the road.
2: Yeah, because
3: Detroit
1: is that's Detroit. bold. Hey, you, I got the lines bold? all day.
3: I, I like I like the fire that they showed. They made a lot of mistakes in the second quarter last week against Philly. Uh, but if there's one thing this team uh, doesn't lack in its heart and, and fire and and I think that's a a, a show of their coach. That they really uh, fight hard for him, and and they came up just short. So interesting. And if you pick. want to look
0: for a
1: Swiss Army knife, Deontay Swift or DeAndre Swift? Fantastic dude! He had uh, like 175 total yards last mm-hmm. last week and a touchdown. Uh, I mean, just unbelievable. Complete, when they needed
3: a play, he
1: complete he juggernaut in offense. Yep. Yeah.
2: Well, uh, Brandon scored seventy four points on his fantasy team, so don't talk. To him, don't let him give you advice about fantasy. Hey,
1: and DeAndre Swift had twenty eight of those seventy four points. <laughs> he just had six of him. May one? It's almost the third. It's almost the yeah, third. It's, uh, it's um, week back, one. Yeah, yeah, Tort- it's true. Tortoise it's true. wins this, right this,
2: this, this is our preseason. We're just trying to figure out right. how people
1: exactly. Were I'm trying to figure out what's going on.
3: Brandon. Uh, Tampa Bay looked really good, let's face it. Um, I know you've you've picked them to go pretty far, if not uh, to the Super Bowl. Uh, Brady, 11-day hiatus from the team. Giselle, did she move out? Did they go on vacation? Did he get some work done on his face? We don't know. But one thing we do know is it didn't affect the way he played the game. He was in complete control the whole game. Um, they played the Saints today who, uh, yep, yeah, or this week, I should say, who barely squeaked by, um, okay, what do we got going on here? Uh, Randall? <laughs> Not sure what's happening here. But we play, they play the Saints, who barely squeaked by Randall's uh, uh, Falcons. Uh, Falcons. Giving, Falcons, giving Falcons only t- had
2: like a 16-point lead in the fourth quarter. But be yeah,
3: easy. right. Tampa's only giving two and a half, and the over-under is 44 and a half. Do you think that number is a little bit low, Brendan?
1: Absolutely. Um, trust in the goat. This is this is going to be at least a ten point game, in my opinion. Um, like I said, like we talked about, it's kind of preseason. They're figuring everything out. Tom Brady he even criticized himself. He threw a bad interception. Blah blah blah. But he managed the game well, Mm -hmm. Uh, ran the ball when he needed to, uh, hit his receivers, kick field goals, whatever. I mean, this dude's a GOAT. He is not here when he's 44 years old without a mission, 45. And uh, he's trying to win another Super Bowl. So um, just strap on your boots and watch this dude. He is the GOAT.
3: All right, Robbie, here's here's two teams that you – know, what are they going to do? Are they going to be able to uh, repeat what they used to do in, in years past? I'm talking about the Patriots and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh coming off a big win. Uh, Cincinnati, albeit at a big cost, losing T.J. Watt for – could be the whole year. We're not sure. Um, flip side to England, uh, Mac Jones got a back issue. They're not really talking much about it. It's hush-hush. He didn't look good last week in Miami. Uh, so the Steelers are giving two and a half over under 40 and a half. I think that over under says uh, Vegas doesn't think they're going to score a lot of points in this game. Who do you like in this one?
2: Well, one, I can't believe is no longer named Hinesfield. That was the perfect place for a <laughs> football sponsorship. Um, You know, I still think new England's getting credit for their name. Like I thought yeah. week one, like, they're not very good, and the coaching staff still is shaking up. Um, I like Tomlin at home getting points. Um, they weren't great against Cincinnati, but getting points. But, yeah, I do like the under. The under is low compared to every other game for a reason. They want you to bet over. Now, I think it's going to be a... 17, 10, 17, 14 game. Yeah, uh, I like the under. Okay.
3: Uh, Brandon Tua, eh, didn't impress me. Uh, Tyreek Hill probably had a decent game. I think he can be better. Going into Baltimore to face, uh, Lamar Jackson who is looking for a massive contract one of a guaranteed deal which I don't think he's going to get um Baltimore giving three and a half over under right now at 44 and a half I see big numbers from this game um this could be a season where Lamar's really trying to prove his worth uh taking some risks that he wouldn't normally take uh and two has got got uh a lot to prove. He's got the weapons. Um, will he do it? It's it remains to be seen. What do you think about this game?
1: Two and a half, Baltimore. Um, I'll take that all day. Uh, it's possible that J.K. Dobbins is is back this week. Yeah, he was full which participant is, in, in yeah, practice today, which, which is which is huge. Um, I mean, if you remember him in his rookie season, he was just incredible. You know, Mm -hmm. and then second year, a little hurt, injured, you know, took out whatever. Uh, This dude's a beast. Uh, Not just saying that because he's from Ohio State and I'm biased, but kind of I am a little bit. Uh, But uh, he is a beast. Watch out for this dude this year. Uh, If he's fully healthy and stays healthy – the tandem between him and Lamar running, um, uh, it's going to be vicious. So I, I I'd like Baltimore here for sure.
3: Yep. Uh, Robbie Arizona going into sin city, uh, after absolutely getting uh, curb stomped by Kansas city. Uh, <laughs> I think we can all say what was Arizona thinking by giving them that extension. I don't think they were, uh, then you got the Raiders who, you know, played well against the Chargers. And I think that's what you're going to see up and down that division. So Arizona going in uh, Vegas, giving them four and a half over under 51 and a half. Obviously there's going to be a lot of points being scored. My estimation, I think this is Raiders uh, mopping the floor with uh, Cardinal blood uh, all day long. What do you think?
2: I totally agree. This is a, Losing college coach that came to a NFL job, and he's losing the NFL. It's a raw rob- like they got off shotgun the first few years and collapsed. Now they're collapsed from the start. This is the end of the cliff. Clings Clingsbury. Like I just don't buy any of this stuff. It just this I hate to be anti Moneyball kind of situation, but this just is what the NFL does. Like God, you can't. You don't throw people open in the NFL. I'm sorry. You don't get open in the NFL. You have to throw people open. And so that's not what Kyler Murray does because he can't get out. Like, It's a running quarterback. No, I just I have a bad taste in car. I think this is the demise of this whole system. And, yeah, it sucks for them. They just paid him a whole boatload of money. Mm-hmm. And he's talented. He's dynamic, but
3: – Yeah, you're not going to win with him. Should have stayed in baseball. And, hey, tell me you haven't heard this before. J.J. Watt's hurt and not playing. So Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: What I I say in our group thread, the Watt's are (laughs) just prone for injury. Prone to injury. They are unbelievable athletes. And, you know, for two or three games a year, they're fantastic. Remind me myself. It's (laughs) unfortunate uh, because their pedigree is is pretty stout. Absolutely.
3: Uh, Brandon team, we just talked about a few minutes ago, Seattle, uh, won their Super Bowl, rightfully so good for them. They go into San Francisco and, and they're playing a team that has a lot to prove. I think if there's a team in the NFL right now that, that has to make up for just a horrible performance the San Francisco 49ers, um, eight and a half, San Francisco is laying eight and a half, um, 41 and a half over under uh, what are your thoughts
0: on
1: this one oh man this 41 over under i almost like the under here i i think this is kind of a uh, a ploy on vegas to to get, make you pick get, over if people the,
3: um, that number is going to come
1: down this is going to be a pillow fight i mean th- these two teams right now are in shambles i like I said, they're they're coming off a high in Seattle. This is their Super Bowl. They they played a fantastic game. I've never seen Geno Smith look so good, um, and you won't ever see that again, probably, probably in your not. lifetime. Um, so they were amped up for this all season. Um, I I think they're deflated. It's it's going to be you know try and get through this kind of game. Um, I like the under. I'll just stay with that. Okay.
3: Uh Robbie, uh Vikings look good against Green Bay or did Green Bay just look bad? That, you know, we'll see about that. They go into Philly facing a team in the first half last week that looked like they could beat anybody in the NFL. Jalen Hurts almost single-handedly ran over the Lions uh defense uh, when when they needed a play. He just took off running and and that's his game. Um, coming home after a big win on the road, they're giving to with an over under of 50 and a half. Um, can Jalen hurts do to the Minnesota Viking defense? What he did to my lions last week.
2: Yes. The short answer is yes. Look the, Eagles are equipped with weapons on weapons on weapons. And Kirk Cousins is also equipped with weapons. I like the over. Um, Philly minus two. It's at home between Monday nights and me Rowdy. I think they may win. But I'd stay away from the points. I like the over in this game. I think both teams score at will, really. Mm-hmm. Um Look, you have Jalen, you have Jalen, you have Miles Sanders, Mike Sanders, Miles Sanders, you have AJ Brown, you have uh the other Alabama running back or receiver. Vikings have weapons, Devante but Smith. there's a lot of talent. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I like that. I like a lot of points scored
3: here. Yeah. Similar I, to the think- Vikings Eagles game last week. I think Vegas agrees with you on that one. And we'll close it up right here with this game, the the big game of Monday night. Um, obviously uh, Buffalo did what they did. They look like the best team in the NFL um, going up against your, your boys, the Tennessee Titans, who we won't even talk about what happened with them. Saquon on Berkeley. Oh, got me a lot of points fantasy, but anyways, moving on to week two, um, The Bills are giving nine and a half points with an over-under of 48 and a half. Brandon, is that number ridiculous, or is it pretty much on par with what we think might happen Monday night?
1: This is a free money play, and (laughs) this is typically what the Titans do. So we go and lose to bad teams at home or away or whatever you have. We will win this game just like we did last year. It's um,
3: reckless speculation at its finest.
1: So, last year, we lost to the Jets at home 24 27. Terrible team. I don't I don't even know if they had one or two wins at that point. Then, the next week, we go in or we play the Bills at home 34 31 win. Yep. This is typical Titans. Just like we called it last week, this is a game we lose to the Giants team who is supposed to be no good. We go in, we lose. Should have won the game. Yeah, we need we, We've got kicker problems, hashtag# kicker problems. <laughs> who uh, doesn't that? Yeah, that, that, that's been Oops. a big big thing for us for sure. Uh, this is a game I see us winning. I see us bouncing back. Um, now, don't get me wrong. Josh Allen is a dog and the Bills are the juggernaut. But this is a game maybe they slightly overlook and that Vrabel over prepares for and, and we can we can pull this one out. So I would take the points on this one. Um we're minus ten or nine and a
3: half. Nine, right now, yeah.
1: Yeah. So take our points all day long. Uh we're not losing by that much. I think we win. So,
3: Before we wrap it up, Robbie, uh, you're a Titan fan, obviously. What do you think? Um, I agree. Take the points. Uh, Tennessee will not lose
2: by more than a touchdown. Um, As much as teams don't, don't, they say that they don't look ahead. The Titans were looking ahead at this game. They had... Giants at home thought they were going to win. They have been putting in plays for this game to put a statement in. At Buffalo, we went home field advantage. Um, was it a mistake? Yes, because every win's a win, every loss is a loss. So Vrabel um, has these guys motivated. Um, they're going to make little mistakes. Buffalo's probably coming off a little bit of a high high horse after whipping the Rams' butts. So, I expect a close game. I'm not going to – I would not take Titans' money line, but um, it will be close. I like the Titans. Over under 48, the over. I, I think some points are going to be scored.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you're They're going to want some redemption. Uh, it is a hostile environment coming off a big win. Uh, Monday night, so it, it could be tough. But I, I, I kind of agree with you guys. Uh, Vrabel is just a coach, and he knows uh, what dials to turn, what buttons to push when when he needs to get the most out of his players. So I definitely see a closer game than what Vegas uh, predicts in that. Well, with that being said, uh, like last week, all our predictions, throw them out the window. We're probably all wrong which is okay, which is the the name of the show, Reckless Speculation. That's fine. We can be wrong. We have a good time. We throw money at it. And I want to take this opportunity to thank Randall for giving me the opportunity to lead you guys. This is this is a great experience. Uh, I love being a part of this show, and I look forward to doing this weekend and week out and, and things beyond. So thank you, guys. And any of those charities... Um, I
2: will match up to $500. Um, if, anyone, if, if y'all just send me the receipts,
3: um, I'll, I'll match whatever people donate to. Awesome. Yeah, check out that link on the River City Media page or Randall's page, and we'll be posting it to all our socials. So look out for that. It's definitely a good cause. So with, with that being said, look forward to next week, a week full of football action on both college and NFL, and uh, we'll see you guys next time.
1: And please like and subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, we appreciate it. Yes. Let's go.
3: Yes. What he said. Absolutely. And
2: then it's, it, next week, it's uh, Tennessee floor week. So, Randall and I will be on high uh, paranoid alert next week.
3: <laughs> Looking forward
2: to Let's
1: that. Let's do it. Going to be All fun, right. boys. Yes, sir. Good shows.